everyone, and welcome to another episode of Retail Refined, a market scale podcast with your host, me, Melissa Gonzalez. Today, we're going to have an exciting conversation with not just one, but two guests of mine. Um, first up, we have uh, Bob Phipps. He is an internationally recognized business strategist, customer service expert, sales coach, author of three books, which we'll have to dive into a little bit, and a motivational business speaker. Back in 1994, he founded his retail consultant company, The Retail Doctor, and created Sales RX a strategic and done for you virtual training platform that we're going to speak more about. Also on with us today, we have Oscar Sachs. He is a tech entrepreneur responsible for several successful startups. He is the CEO and co-founder to Salesforce, a software platform that allows customers to shop online directly with their local store or favorite associate. So we're gonna converge these two and their expertise in today's conversation as we talk about one of the changes that the pandemic brought up, and that's the role of the sales associate, their new profile, um, how they have to be much more entrepreneurial than they've been in the past, and how we position them for success. So Bob and Oscar, thank you so much for being with us today. Great to be here. Yeah, so thank I you. gave a quick intro to both of you, but I'll go ahead and give it to each one of you for a minute. I'll start with you, Bob. Tell our audience that, that might be new to you a little bit you know, about, about you. Well, you could pretty much Google me and you would probably find a lot, but uh, I am the guy that brands come to when they are passionate about the customer experience in the store. That's really my niche. That's what I've been doing. Work with some of the greatest brands in the world, the top uh, luxury retailers, all the way down to smaller independents. And it's all about how do we get someone to engage a stranger, discover the shopper and get them to buy from you today. And uh, so customer service and selling are tied in there. And I've taken all of my training and brought it into an online retail sales training program called SalesRx. We're in four continents around the world and 83% say they get a double digit increase after just six months. So we're, we're all about over delivering for the customer. Wonderful, I love that. Everybody likes to hear that. <laughs> how about you, Oscar? Thanks, Melissa. Uh, well, my background is retail. I worked for about uh, 12 years uh, as head of operations for stores in a few large retail chains. Mm -hmm. And then uh, that's when I started, you know, at the, at the dawn of the retail digital revolution, there were so many opportunities out there. And I thought I would have a lot of fun developing products and, and services for the retail industry. And uh, as, as the business changed, um, there was just a ton of opportunities that we knew that retail had to transform and uh, no one ever expected how fast uh, it would move, especially in the last couple of years. But um, first business uh, was a, a innovative new way for retailers to monetize their traffic on their website. And Salesforce uh, was really all about store associates. Mm -hmm. And it, it started with a basic premise that uh, as more and more customers were shopping online, why were store associates being excluded from that? And uh, how can we rethink the role of the store associate? And how do we provide a much better experience online for customers mm -hmm. uh, who were essentially uh, shopping on catalogs uh, that were un, you know, undifferentiated? And we thought that store associates and service online would be uh, a huge advantage for a retailer. Great. Well, that segues to my first question then. Um, and the way I open this segment, you know, talking about the changing role of the store associate, right? And, and now we are seeing it to be evolving where they are um, being kind of empowered to be more entrepreneurial, um, selling 
across channels, right? Some of them got repositioned when stores closed down to be at call centers or sell virtually. So for both of you who are experts in this area, in your eyes, how has the store associate um, evolved and how can they thrive in in-store environments, um, but not only in-store, but be adaptable across channels? I think, you know, if you ask a retailer, what's the number one problem that they have right now? Uh, I think they'll tell you that there's not enough people walking into their stores mm -hmm. and their business model for the last hundred years has been um, a healthy store, uh, a profitable store. And of course, they're, you know, growing their digital business as fast as they could possibly uh, grow it. So I would say that one of the things that retailers have really understood because of the pandemic, but really started seven years ago, six years ago, as part of an omni-channel transformation that retailers have to do was, how can stores, associates, drive more traffic into the store? Uh, traditionally, that wasn't their responsibility, right? Marketing was responsible for getting people in the door. Store staff was responsible for serving them and converting them. Uh, but there is a new modern role of an associate today because of today's technology that, that everyone has access to, is that they are being used to really reach out to customers and engage them by email, by SMS, through social, through mm -hmm. all the different communication channels that we all use in our daily lives and maintain this ongoing conversational uh, relationship with customers uh, so that they can drive them back into the store. And that is a secret weapon that uh, I think retailers have discovered. Uh, there's a lot of data that supports that when customers are uh, hearing from uh, store associates in their local area, people who may have sold to them in the past, uh, there's a certain connection there that marketing mm -hmm. just doesn't have. And most importantly, you can't reply to a marketing newsletter. You can reply to John, your store associate that helped you a few weeks ago and ask questions and engage in a conversation. So I would say one important new role is uh, how do you get them into the store? And then the other major one that we've seen, and again, this started seven years ago and it's really encouraging and, and it's incredible to see now it has become a staple in the industry is the idea that the same way an associate serves you in the store, why can they not serve you online while you're shopping on the e-com site? And you know, we probably all have experienced some telemedicine in the last two years, we probably did a Peloton or some kind of virtual uh, class for fitness. And you're just seeing industry after industry is uh, showing examples where people are very comfortable doing a traditionally physical activity and doing that virtually. And so there's a huge opportunity to connect the digital online shopper that's you know browsing the e-commerce site to local store associates so that they can get service. And uh, all the statistics prove that that will enhance the customer experience online, a great way to differentiate from you know, competing on price and convenience with Amazon is to create a better sales experience. Um, and it also data proves that um, it's, they're, they're much better at converting that online traffic. So I would say that's um, you know, two big changes that store associates can be growing into um, and whether you're at a high touch service level like luxury, or uh, even if you are in a lower touch service model, wherever service is of value to a customer, um, store associates can play that role. So Bob, who you sit um, 
right at the front lines of, of, of training, right, store associates. And so as what Oscar's talking about, the shift that's happening, right, and, and the store associate wearing many hats, but also a recognition of the importance, right? They are the most important touch point in the store, especially from a qualitative standpoint. Um, how can retailers and brands best position their store associates um, for success? Well, I want to take a step back because what's been left out of this rosy outlook that Oscar's got is associates are having more tasks put on them. They're becoming warehouse workers and they're being treated like crap, frankly. And um, that's why the great resignation is happening because people are expecting people to come in, leave your personality outside and become a robot. And I think that has to end. I think it's easy to say it's all about money, but everything I'm reading about um, Gen Z and the alpha centennials, the ones underneath them, is the idea that they want training and they want to know what it takes to do a good job. And I don't think you can be both customer service um, focused and a shipping clerk. I don't think that you can have all the headsets. You know, there's that article in the New York Times a year or so ago, you know, meet the gap manager. She has nine apps. They had another story yesterday, the other day about Dollar General and how people are quitting because they have one salaried person and make them work all the time by themselves. And yet all we hear is Dollar General is growing. Oh, they're so great. Look at all this. But there's this dark side, which is we are expecting people to just take it. And I think what we're seeing is we're hearing people rumor about, you know, trying to get unions and all these other things is, look, they want to be able to build the middle class themselves. They want to be rewarded. And I think certainly if I'm a Saks or something like Oscar's doing clientele, I think that makes a lot of sense. But let's face it, a brick and mortar store scales really well. You're busy with 30 people, Melissa. You can certainly say, hey, I'm going to talk to these five people and say, welcome. You know, I can tra- I can do all of that as long as I've given them the training. And that's why, you know, I have been getting more and more calls because people suddenly realize, oh, we never told them what success looks like, but we've got mystery shoppers telling them they're not good enough. And so how do we how do we fix that? Well, the only way is to fix the culture around the employees first, make their day, they make customers day. I think one of the biggest obstacles is what, what Bob's mentioning is staffing in the stores. Uh, you know, call it the during the pandemic crisis and post pandemic is there, there are real staffing shortages across mm-hmm. retail. And on top of it, besides the sales uh, role that we want to play in, in this virtual sales role, uh, they are also being asked, to Bob's point, to be uh, doing, you know, uh, pick up in store and ship from web. Uh, and by the way, serve customers in store. So uh, training is a big part. I think we, we can't assume that someone who is great at selling in store will be just as uh, savvy uh, digitally. Um, I think there's a lot of, um, you know, things that retailers have to figure out to make sure that they uh, successfully execute that. Mm-hmm. No, definitely understand it's, it's complicated when you, when you have to wear so many hats. I think people were adaptable to do it when we were, you know, coming together in the height of COVID. And now as things are opening up, it's um, not as feasible to do everything. And, and morale is super important because that gets translated from the person to the service that they're providing. On the, on the flip side though, um, one of the positives I think that's come out of this is there's a lot more uh, technology integration in store, which um, has helped the store, the manager of the store illuminate 
possibly an area that we've not been able to see before, which is attribution of the in-store visit. And I'm wondering what both of your perspective on, on the opportunity of that, where traditionally an in-store associate would be very concerned on performance and sales commissions and what they drive just in the four walls, but the opportunity as the store has evolved so that, you know, it's just, this is one touch point on a customer's journey um, and the attribution is tracked in a, in a way that kind of frees up the sales associate to be more about, you know, customer service first and less uh, feeling that pressure of, I have to worry about how much sales I convert in this hour that I'm working. Yeah, but I'm on the other side of that. My clients do care that you converted. I don't want Melissa just to be on the sales floor and say, we got 5,000 Instagram likes because she took a picture and had some cute hashtags, right? It, that all sounds good, but you look at the path of a Tom's who had a great narrative and everything and look at how that brand pretty much just fell in. And a lot of other brands who I think have a lot of buzz, the opportunity is, can you make that a human um, existence? And I think we are absolutely seeing that the um, retailers who understand that are doubling down on human beings. They're humbling down, doubling down on realizing that, you know, somebody who's 30 years old never saw what great customer service might have been. And so to them, I got my Starbucks in 10 seconds. Great. <laughs> Except that if I'm trying to sell you a thousand dollar shirt, chances are not so great <laughs> that that's going to take 10 seconds and you darn well better know it because whether the kid is 20 or an old guy like me in their 60s, um, they've got to be able to bond in a transactional basis, but then pivot it into a relationship. And I think that is the soft skills that most people assume uh, people know and they simply don't. So. I always go back to what is your branded experience in your store? If you're a dollar general, you should know what that looks like. Like you're on your own, you know, you're at the end, whatever it's going to be. But I think most retailers, the opportunity is they just don't know what it looks like. And so when they go to attribution, to me, you're trying, it's like the old days of putting a coupon in the bottom of every ad. Oh, if they bring in the coupon, we know that that ad worked. Not really. I've never seen an attribution model that was perfect. If you're just saying that it's about customer service and frees them up not to sell, well, then what is the conversion? Well, point? no, so I'm not saying in? it just frees up. I just mean, oh. so for example, I went to a Sephora a few months ago, right? Um, and I forgot my gift card and I didn't have the email. I didn't think to my head like, oh, I could probably find it digitally. So I was like, you know, thanks for your help today. This is great. I know what I want now. I'm, I have my gift card at home. I'm going to purchase it. And the response was like, please, can you just buy it in store so we can get credit for the sale today? And yeah, I think the, uh, what Melissa is describing is something we experienced early on when I was at Best Buy, a great example is when in-store pickup first rolled out in North America. It, um, and then you had uh, buy in store ship from web. So it was supposed to revolutionize everything. I don't have it in stock on my shelf. Don't worry about it. You can still pay. You're going to get it two days later at your house. So I would walk into a store and I'd say, oh, you know, uh, do you have this, uh, this plasma TV that I was looking for? And he said, nope, sorry. And that was the end of the conversation. And I was saying, you know, take me to the kiosk, take me, take me to the endless aisle and, you know, I can transact and ship it. Like, why isn't he saying that? We learned very, very quickly that as much training or as much as your, your customer experience is clear and you know how to train it out, if you don't align the incentive and the reward with the behavior that you want, 
you will not get anything uh, out of your store associates. So it is it is very critical. And I think that's what Melissa was referring to was uh, you don't want stores to feel that the web is a competitor. You don't want stores to feel that they can spend half an hour with a customer showing them a, a couch and then the customer is just going to go home, shop around and buy it from, from their own website or from another competitor. Um, and a lot of the stores were getting uh, discouraged of saying that, you know, what are my conversion rates going down? And I have all these people that I'm spending all this time with, but they're just going and buying it somewhere else online. And I don't get the credit, even when it's from my own company's e-commerce site. So the sales tracking is purely just to say to a store, whether you fulfill online that product or from the customer walks out, it's irrelevant. You know, service your customer, uh, know and have the confidence that wherever they buy, whether it's the call center from the e-commerce site or from you at your cash register, it is the same for you and your store to get recognized that, hey, you just made a sale and it's helping you hit your budget. And more importantly, in commissioned environments or bonus environments, it's helping associates earn their income. So as close to the pocket as you can get for, for somebody. So the I think what, whatever the incentive is, it doesn't have to be a financial incentive, but whatever the incentive is, if you want stores to provide a good service in store and online, they need to know that regardless of when and how the customer will be fulfilled, will fulfill that order, they'll get credit. And just to give one final example, if a store on sales floor serves a customer online um, on the e-commerce site, that customer can buy three days later, uh, completely on their own, just go back to the website and buy, and the store gets credit because retailers say, you helped convert that customer uh, when they were on our site. So we want your store and your manager and you all to benefit so it doesn't look like stores suck. Stores are just converting and fulfilling in many different ways. And that that's, uh, has been a foundation piece uh, for stores for the last five years. So for the both of you, because it is a challenging time, who's doing it well? Who do you think is doing a great job as they approach making sure that their store associates are positioned well, performing well? Who's seeing success in store because of that? Well, I always come back to Lululemon. They're the mark of, mm. of greatness. They knew it a long time ago. Have a meeting every Sunday night, talk about goals for your life, not necessarily this door. Passionate people, they talked to them during the downturn, the pandemic, kept them on. You know, all of the, everything we see about them goes against trend. And yet at the end of the day, it still comes down to people matter. Our golden sauce or whatever it's going to be, our golden... I don't know, North Pole, uh, whatever it is that leads the charge is going to come down to our people. And uh, I think that's that's great. They've also been lucky. You know, we're in a leisure and we're coming out of a pandemic and there's a lot of things about it. But to me, the mystery is so many people get caught up, I think, in the weeds instead of just walking your darn sales floor. Does anyone laugh? Do people actually smile in your store? You know, when somebody comes in and says, I want this widget, you know, a pen, and you take them to them, you didn't add anything to the value. I don't want to pay you for that. I could have a robot do that. But at the end of the day, people go into a store to feel something. And people who feel they matter buy more. That's simple. 
But I think we have a lot of lonely people out in the world looking to, to talk to people. We still have more and more people hanging behind the registers and looking at their phones because they don't know how to engage a stranger and they don't like it, right? So whether they were open last year and they were afraid because of the masks and they were afraid of something might happen, right? I think we've now gotten into this um, fear of the customer and that's really dangerous for most brands. Yeah, I think the uh, there's so many strategies that retailers can take, and it's not just technology. There's just there's a ton of things being thrown at them. But if I had to step back and say what's you know which clients are doing the best because they're focusing on the best thing, it's the ones that are uh, looking at the role of the store associate. Those are the ones who are saying, how do we reverse these the turnover of our staff? How do we reverse the mass resignation, as Bob called it? Uh, how do we look at creating that smile on the people's faces on the floors? Because we, we all know that the cultures and the companies that do well are the ones who uh, have passionate people about what they're doing. And so it, it is uh, very much um, important at this time more than ever because of the staffing shortages to say, how do I make the role of the store associate engaging and what are the recruiting and retention uh, tools that they have to keep those associates engaged. And I think training uh, that workforce and investing in that is, is huge. Uh, I think technology plays a role. If you are telling people you have to wait and just direct customers to a shelf, uh, they're not, you know, this generation that works in retail is not that interested in that at all, right? They much rather set up a Shopify site and try and be an entrepreneur. I think that, that this generation and this workforce, they're looking for a much more dynamic, uh, fast-paced, multitask type of role. And that's where I think we're passionate about telling them that you want to have a video broadcast and live stream to 2,000 people while you're in your store and you got product right behind you and you can kind of do the QVC thing, go ahead. You want to sell to a customer in Brazil uh, which visited you a month ago while they were here on vacation, but you could still have the ability to fulfill through e-commerce to service that customer online and open up uh, that market that you never had before. I think these are the kinds of things that are exciting them. Virtual appointments, um, all of these things, social uh, selling is a very uh, fun thing for a portion of the workforce where they, they wanna be those influencers online. So I, I think this is all great, Oscar, but until they've had that experience, right? You're talking about people who've paid money for you generally, who've come into the system, they've made a relationship already. My issue is that most people are not training those soft skills to get there. So a complete stranger on your website, that's one thing. If I've given you $1,000 and you know who I am, great. That certainly yeah. opens up doors. But quite simply, to get into the world you're talking about is very small compared to what most of retail is is doing right now, I think, right? Well, so five years ago, you're right. It was a lot more of a niche early adopter, but we have clear, clear data is it started in luxury. Then it went into mid-tier apparel. Then you see it explode in beauty, which is the last you know two years. But we are talking to now pet stores, liquor stores, home improvement stores, your sporting goods. These are all the verticals that were not going they weren't going to be the early adopters because of what you just said but this is becoming the mainstream use case so you will see and it, it's happening as we speak 
every retailer is looking for some kind of way to get the ROI from their stores. And if, if you just follow the trajectory of store comp and traffic, they are quickly losing their return on brick and mortar. And thank God, you know, digital is, is making up for a part of it, but you're never gonna replace fully brick and mortar. It's here to stay and that model has to work. So I would say that where you're correct is that every retail vertical in, in retail has a different use case. They will use uh, and implement their own customer journeys that make sense for their service model, their product, their brand. So there is no one size fits all, but every vertical will have some kind of application where stores are providing some level of uh, service to customers when they're in store. And then they'll do that when they leave the store or before they come in. The, the struggle that I think retailers are having, and you're probably at the forefront of that is, retailers have to be quick and nimble enough to be able to say, how do I recognize what I want these associates to do? And how do I train them and give them the time to do it well? And that's that's transformation, that takes time. Absolutely, so um, time goes so fast when we have these conversations, but um, what's the future? What's the future of the store associate and the, the role of the store? Um, what does that look like? Especially if we think about some of the capabilities you're talking about, we think of the opportunities around personalization when it comes to shopping, what's the future? Well, the future is going to come down to the associate's going to be a more elevated position. I think the mass market of anyone can do it is probably going to go away. I think there's going to be some kind of uh, more of a of an idea of a trade school, more of a entrepreneur, more of a person who has elevated skills than we've been teaching. Because quite simply, there are still too many places to buy too much of the same stuff. And uh, the store of the future, I still think is uh, look at the past, which is people still want to go out and see and discover online is where you go to buy. I don't need to go out and peruse 100 HP cartridges. I just need my HP 64. I'm happy. That'll exist. That's great. But clearly what we've seen, I've been to a mall lately, Melissa, but it's almost like Christmas lately with people with bags and shopping and eating out and all of these things. And it still comes down to as much as we like to think everything has changed and everything is so different. Uh, at the end of the day, it's still a human meeting another human being. And either you, you appreciate that and you reward that and you train for that and then you hold people accountable for it. Or you say, I don't need to know her name. She'll be gone in two months anyway. And, or him, and uh, we just perpetuate this, but that's what's catching up with a lot of older brands, I think. And there's an awful lot of buzz out there around, oh, we're sustainable and we're this, and we have this technology. I was at a store the other day and the guy was, you know, I was looking for a pair of shoes and he pulled out his iPad. Oh, we don't have it. Well, I am an old shoe dog. You would have gone in the back and you would have like, oh, I'm out of this, but I got this and this, and you would have done it. They aren't doing that. Because what they're doing is it's order fulfillment. So I think until we look at the store of the future is, wow, not only is it going to have content that's going to draw us, it's going to have great merchandising, it's going to have better people than ever, but it's going to be a little bit more hungrier. And I think that's why the younger generation be more entrepreneurial is going to realize that, yeah, you can buy a lot of white label stuff and put it up on your website. And yeah, maybe you could get some sales, but at the end of the day, it's pretty hard to do that. And those skills that if you look at most CEOs, they come back to the experience and young or old, the experience they had somewhere in retail, understanding it's about somebody else before it's about me. That's what is going to be the determiner of our future. And if we don't 
elevate retail and the way we think about it and the way we talk about it, I don't think, I think it's woe for us because uh, they're not going to know how to give us care when we get old or to take care of systems and a lot of other things because it'll still be me directed instead of somebody else. Does that make sense? And, and you know, like I agree with uh, what you said in a lot of, uh, a lot of your points. And I think those are foundation pieces, right? If, if you want to be a successful business, you have to address that. But where I think Bob, um, you have to also think about is besides the foundation piece, something else is happening. So when consistently across retail, uh, the traffic is down 25%. Um, that is not true. Open. Traffic is not down 25%, my friend. I read Placer AI reports all the time. We are back up at 2019. Don't say things like that. Well, back up. I like the controversy, guys. <laughs> but back, back up 2019 means you just went back. Uh, you, you you just went back in time. One of the, the best the, records of retail sales was 29. We're all benchmarking 2019, and so shop, we are seeing shopper that people track, are coming which back. is a shopper track, which is a leader in the industry on 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 traffic counters, as well as we have 35 clients who are some of the largest retail chains, and they all have traffic counters, and we have access to their data. And I could tell you that across all of those, now maybe uh, certain verticals like Lululemon or Home, Home Depot or a sporting goods store, uh, but if you're talking about apparel and you're talking about beauty and uh, jewelry, I could tell you that their traffic is all, uh, that's, that's a, a fact. And I'll, I'll give you one more thing, is that the conversion rate in the store is not down. So when we talk about the guy in the store being able to serve his customer or her customer properly, that's actually not the retailer's issue. Those stores are converting customers. If anything, conversion rent went up because people making the trip to the store are, are more intent on buying than two years ago because of the pandemic. But conversion rate is actually not hurting. Stores are converting at either better or at the same clip, the same traffic that was coming in store. The, the problem that is happening uh, and that retailers are saying is going to continue. By the way, I'm not suggesting stores disappear. I'm just saying there's a basic you know, transformation that has to happen where retailers are closing stores because there is less people. So there's a rationalization of the number of stores that you physically need. And uh, when we talk about what is the future, I, I think that the same way that there was a rationalization of store count, and I believe, you know, every year it's, you know, the store count has been dropping by 20% and with store closures. That's not true uh, either, dude. That is just not, you can't say things. I'm sorry. That's just, you're I, looking I, at Corsite or somebody you, who said that like 100,000 stores were going to close, less stores closed is, last year than the year before. Don't throw things like that out. I, That's just I not true. I, I didn't say that. I didn't say that last year was, was less more than the other year. I'm saying that for the last three years, there's been a drop in store count uh, and it's a material drop. I mean, if you're saying that stores haven't been closing in the last three years, then you were definitely talking about a different uh, uh, data you're set. just going but, into a different narrative, Oscar. I, uh, that's no, all I'm no, saying. No, because what I was trying to say is that if stores are closing, it's because retailers are realizing we need X amount of stores. We just don't need the same number that we had 20 years ago. I speak to these founders and they're not going out of business. They're just rationalizing the number of stores, especially in the C and D malls that are, are pretty much disappearing and they don't need that many stores. That's not a hit on brick and mortar. 
Salesforce is all about driving brick and mortar. That's our whole reason why we got into business. I'm just saying that what, one of the number one things in the future of retail is how do you address that more and more people are shopping outside the four walls than inside the four walls. And that, that's just the fact. That's why stores have had to, had to be cut down. And, and I think one of the things you're seeing, and Apple just launched a program on this, and I thought it was very interesting, is that uh, store associates serving customers virtually, up until now, we've talked about them being in a physical store while virtually selling to a customer. What Apple's starting to test out is, why don't these people just work remote? So the same way Bob's sitting in his house right now working remote, uh, and so is half the industry, um, can retailers build these workforces of virtual associates who actually not even physically in the store, uh, but they are uh, more virtual and potentially meeting with customers, but not necessarily um, having to physically have a shift in a store. So I think you're going to see that model come into play. All right. Well, this was a great conversation, you guys. I, I feel like the two of you could be on with me for hours. <laughs> we don't have hours. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of sides to see this on. I think that, um, you know, the biggest part here is that the, the role's evolving. I think there's a lot of opportunity in what that is. Some are doing a great job at it. Others, you know, have some work to do. Um, but this was a great conversation. So, um, Bob, the retail doctor, um, thanks for being on with us. And Oscar, the CEO and co-founder of SalesFloor. Um, you know, I look forward to see how your platform continues and, and Bob, how you continue to help the industry as the role of the store associate evolves um, and, and also the role of the store itself. So thank you so much for being on with us today. Thank you. It's a great discussion and it's, it's, it's all the right topics. So I really appreciate Bob. And the two of you are very passionate about it. I'm yeah, not passionate at that. all. I'm not passionate <laughs> at all. Whatever happens, happens. Thanks for having us. All right. Appreciate Thank it. you, Thank you everybody. Bye-bye.